What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Real Talk with the OTF Happy Valley Men. We are installing our third episode where we will be talking about common lies and fads in the fitness industry. My name is Chad, and I'm here with my co-hosts, James and Anthony. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Spotify, and as always, smash that like button. Fellas, how are we doing today? Hey, brother. How's it going? Great. Awesome. 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 Glad to hear you guys are doing well. Um, we have some good content for our viewers and listeners today. So I just want to, um, I don't want to really waste any time. Um, if anybody's been listening to us for any length of time now, they kind of know who we are. Um, but just, uh, let's dive right in James. Uh, let's start it off. All right, guys. What's up? My name is James. I'm a student manager here at Happy Valley, uh, studio. Uh, so we just kind of wanted to go over some of the fallacies, uh, that we hear, on a constant basis, not only coming from you guys as far as questions go, but just kind of things that uh, that we see, right? Um, so these are some of the common questions that we get pretty often um, that not by any fault by you, but more because of either things that you've been told or because of advertisement, um, you know, they're gotten wrong for, for the most part. So um, first of all, I wanted to go over a few terms here that I'm going to use throughout. That way we can get out ahead of that. That way, you know what I'm referring to. So refer to, if I refer to NEAT, I'm referring to what is called non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So basically what that is, is the amount of calories you burn outside of any workout, right? So in, for all intents and purposes, what your NEAT is, is what most people would call their metabolism, right? So NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. The other term that I'll be using quite often, it's called glycogen. Uh, all glycogen is, is um, sugars um, or carbohydrates. So when I say glycogen, it's think sugars. Um, so that being said, uh, let's dive into the first one. And if I'm being completely honest with you, this one drives me absolutely nuts. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I hear it all the time. Um, but this is definitely uh, one of those fallacies that goes around quite a bit. So the first one that I have here is I'm not losing any weight because I don't eat enough. Guys, that is scientifically, physically impossible. That just cannot happen, right? There is no such thing as I need to eat more to lose weight. It just doesn't work that way. To lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. To be in a calorie deficit, you either need to increase your exercise or decrease the amount of food that you're eating, right? So I think what gets conflated there um, is, is not so much the weight loss portion, but more the metabolism portion of things, right? So a better way to kind of use that is, is to think of it this way, right? As you start to lose weight, what happens is your need, your metabolism will decrease along with that weight loss because your body has less energy to burn. Um, so by eating more, Yes, you're going to increase your need. However, you won't be in a calorie deficit anymore, which means that you won't be losing weight, right? So I'm not losing weight because I'm not eating. It's just not, it's just not something that's physically possible. James, um, can, I, uh, can I ask you something about that too? Because um, just it triggered something when you were saying that. Do you think some people when they say, you know, I'm not losing a weight, losing weight because I'm not eating enough, you know, they, they could, it could be true. They could only be having, you know, like one meal a day and, but it could be the wrong things, right? Like it could be a really high calorie, high fat meal. There you go. Could, now, you now, know, now, now, now you hit it. Now, now you hit the, the, the nail on the head, right? Um, 
what matters is how many calories you're intaking. Um, and I do have, might as well jump into that fallacy now since it kind of plays, uh, plays, plays into it, right? Um, I can fast and lose weight, um, is another one that, that happens a lot. Yes, but the actual act of fasting itself isn't why you're losing weight. You're losing weight because you're limiting the amount of calories you're eating throughout the day by skipping the first portion of the day, right? So you're not eating calories there. However, just like Chad said, if you go and you sit down and you eat 3000 calories in that one sit down or that one meal that you're choosing to have, chances are you're not going to lose weight. And it's because you're in a calorie excess. Everything boils down to calories, how much calories you're intaking, right? So you can't just say, hey, I'm going to fast. And then the rest of the day, I'm going to eat however I want, whatever I want. It just doesn't work that way. If you're in a calorie excess, it doesn't matter if you eat one meal or eight meals, you're not going to lose weight. So I'm not losing weight because I don't eat enough. Um, typically isn't something that we want to kind of wrap our heads around when trying to lose weight. The answer will always always, no matter how much you don't want it to be, will always be eat less, exercise more, period, end of story, that is the only answer there is, right, so if not eating enough would constitute and you not losing weight, then there would be no world hunger anywhere, everybody would be, I'm not eating, it's not a big deal, I'm not losing any weight, you know, you wouldn't have people dying of hunger in third world countries, it just doesn't work that way, right, a lot of the time, um, and, I, and I'll use this example without any putting any names uh, behind it, um, you know, I get a lot of clients that are like, hey, I'm working out two hours a day and I'm only eating a thousand calories. I'm not losing any weight. I got to eat more. That's not true. If you're working out two hours a day and most of that's cardio and you're limiting yourself to a thousand calories, there's no way in heck you're not going to lose weight. It just doesn't exist. So one of two things is happening. Either A, you're not tracking your food correctly, or B, you're not really working out two hours a day. You know, you either you either make a mistake by tracking food or you're lying about the amount you're working out. I mean, if, if we're being honest, right? So don't ever think that adding food is going to be the answer if your goal is to lose weight. Um, I have a slow metabolism or a thyroid issue. So I can't lose weight unless my doctor puts me on medication. Another huge fallacy. Now, first of all, I am not a doctor. Please listen to what your doctor says. That's what matters above and beyond. For the weight loss portion of things, though, the answer, if you have a thyroid issue or slow metabolism, is going to be eat less or work out more. It doesn't matter. That is still the answer. So let's just take my need for, for an example, right? Let's just say, or just my, my overall calories burned for the day. Let's say I'm burning 3,000 calories for the day. I'm intake 20, I'm intaking 2,500 calories. I'm in a calorie deficit. If I have a slow metabolism or a thyroid issue, the only thing that does is it decreases my need. So now instead of burning 3,000 calories for the day, I'm only burning 2,500 calories. That just means you have to eat 2,000 calories instead of 2,500 calories. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It definitely makes it harder than the average person. If you have thyroid issues or, or slow metabolism, it's going to make it harder, but it's not impossible. The answer is still eat less or work out more. Um, another big one. Uh, 
I can use, I can use the suggested calorie count on my fitness pal or any other generic app to lose weight. So that's not so much, that's not necessarily untrue, but what it is, is it's something that will become untrue. So for those of you guys that have uh, participated in our challenges, uh, and, and Anthony's been a coach, Chad has been a coach for that. You guys know how much adjustment we have to make in those calorie counts, right? Because when you go on my fitness pal and you say, hey, these are my stats, what it does is it just kicks back a generic formula that works for everybody in general. But everyone has different metabolism. Everybody works out, you know, a different amount of time. Um, so there's different aspects within that weight loss journey that are different and not personalized to you if all you're using is a generic MyFitnessPower, right? So initially, maybe you might be able to lose weight, but what's going to happen is, is as that weight starts to drop off, the calories need to be adjusted because as your weight goes down, your knee is automatically going to go down as well. There's less muscle to lose. There's less energy to burn. So the need starts to slowly decrease, which means that your calorie count has to decrease with it. Just because it worked for a week or two weeks, doesn't mean it's going to work week number three, week number four, two months in. You can't just stay at the same calorie count the entire time and think you're going to continue to lose weight because eventually what's going to happen is that calorie deficit that that generic fitness pal app gave you is going to become maintenance calories. When that happens, you have to continue to decrease. And unfortunately, that process becomes more and more and more and more and more uncomfortable as you get past um, that genetic set point, it almost becomes impossible, right? So if you are genuinely that one person that is working out two hours a day, only eating 1,000 calories, not losing any weight, I'm sorry to say, guys, but you picked the wrong parents. Genetically, that is where your body wants to and needs to be. You can't go any further than that. Why kill yourself trying to get there, Right. That is, that's it, guys. You got to be happy with what you were given. Um, and if you really are legitimately only eating that amount of calories and working out that much, then unfortunately, that's just where your genetic set point is. And you just can't go any further than that. And you have to be okay with it. You have to be okay with it. I would, I would interject and say, like, maybe, like, try something else, right? right. You know, like, get, you know, obviously that's not working for you. So try, you know, something X, Y, Z, you know? But there's, so there's, there's a point in everybody's genetics that will physically, literally not allow you to go any further without you absolutely suffering, right? So, yeah, you might be able to change what you're doing and then maybe kickstart the weight loss again, but you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer every single minute of the way that you get past that genetic set point that your body doesn't want to be at, right? So... Yeah, Anthony is correct, but you got to ask yourself, do I want to continue the suffering? You know, dude, is, is this worth it, right? There has to come a point in time where you got to be like, hey, you know, my genetics allow me to be 15% at the low end. I got to be happy with that and I'm good and this is good enough. You know, I don't need more than that. What I have is good enough. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with just where, what you've been given and working towards that goal and not worrying about getting past that set point because again you know it's like is the juice worth the squeeze you're kind of getting past that point where it makes any sense for your body to continue to to be in that calorie deficit and to suffer 
um, and to suffer for that long, right? So things that you can do, though, to add, you know, to what you're doing are, are things like supplements. So another one that I have here is fat burners burn fat. Fat burners do not, say again, do not burn fat in any shape, way, or form. They don't attack the fat and burn it. I don't know. I've had it described 85 different ways. Like the little pill that you're taking is going to go in there and start eating fat and stuff like that. Sorry, guys, it doesn't work. So what a fat burner does, all it does is increase your need. It does nothing more than that, right? So you're feeling like this, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, man, I'm such a calorie deficit. I'm so tired of work out so hard. You take a fat burner and what the fat burner does with the caffeine and, and the other things that it has in it, it makes you move more. It makes you jittery. So you're burning more calories. That's all that fat burner is doing. It's increasing your meat so that you burn more calories. It's got nothing to do with fat itself or it burning fat itself. All it is is increasing your meat and increasing the amount of activity that you're doing. That's why if you notice people that have like the most energy are typically the people that have high metabolism, you know, that are typically naturally on the skinnier side. And it's because of that, right? So what you don't want to do is start your diet plan right out the gate with a fat burner, right? It's like, you don't want to throw everything at it right from the get-go, you know, including the kitchen sink. It's, it's, it leaves you nowhere to go. Then you're going to end up being the person that's already at a thousand calories, already working out two hours a day, already taking fat burners. What do you do now? There's nowhere to go. Right. So typically when we're doing a, um, a cut for a bodybuilding show, we're doing a cut for, for an MMA fight. We don't even introduce the fat burners into the last two to three weeks of that cut, because at that point, the athlete that I'm working with or myself has legitimately become that person that is at the bottom of the amount of food that they can eat and at the top of the amount of exercise that they can do without them either hurting themselves or feeling really, really crappy, right? So that's the point that you start to introduce the fat burners and you start to introduce a little bit more meat, um, so on and so forth, right? So you got to be very careful with fat burners. You never want to just start with a fat burner, man. You want to leave that towards the end and you want to understand that the fat burner isn't burning any fat. The only thing that's burning fat is you moving your body. That's the only way to burn fat. There is no other way. You move your body, you burn fat or, or you, you use some sort of energy system, whether it be glycogen or fat to move, right? Do you think, do you think there's a mental aspect side to that too? Like, oh, I'm going to go buy this fat burner and then you're taking it and you're making yourself believe that it's going to yield these results and it actually pushes you to like maybe give a little bit more and that in turn is where the results come from? I mean, how do you, what do you, sure, what do you think yeah. So, um, so if you take a fat, most fat burners are laced with, uppers, caffeine, um, you know, stuff that's going to help you move more, right? So yes, you're going to go into the gym or you're just going to be sitting here and you're going to be like, I'm moving, right? I'm like jittery. I'm burning calories as opposed to you just being like this. So yeah, it gives, it helps you get more energy throughout the workout for sure, or just more energy throughout the day. But what I want people to understand is, is that's why you're burning fat. It's got nothing to do with you putting a fat burner in your mouth 
on its own or the fat burner or the chemicals or whatever you want to call it in the supplement itself, actually eating or burning fat, like I've, I've had it described that way. Hey, can I take a, a fat burning pill so that I can start eating fat? You know what I mean? It just doesn't work that way. Understand that it's only going to come down to your need, right? So for me, I, I, fat burners are, for me anyway, not, not good. So what do I do to increase my need? Let's drink a ton of coffee, man. Drink some coffee. For me, it feels a little bit safer. I don't feel too jittery. But my needs increase. I'm moving a little bit more. I'm not like this. So I'm burning more fat throughout the day. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the moral of that story is just understand what a fat burner actually does and when to take it. Don't throw everything in the kitchen sink right at the beginning of, of, your, of your journey because then you're going to have nowhere else to go. Wait to throw the kitchen sink at things until you literally have nowhere else to go. Until you are literally legitimately not created in my head, but legitimately that person that is working out the most they can work out and eating the least that they can eat, that's when you start to eat yourself. So, James, what's that go-to coffee order? What's what? What do you usually get there? It is uh, cold brew, no ice, four pumps of sugar-free vanilla, three Splendas, and half and half. What about you, Anthony? What's your go-to uh, coffee order? Uh, just black, man. All right, all right, just black, like yeah. his soul, baby. Hey, bro. No. <laughs> so, James, let me ask you this, too, real quick, um, just for people that may be listening, you know, um, you know, there we could have some new viewers and, and they might not know you very well. Right. And they might be like, well, man, this guy's like really direct or um, this guy, you know, is he's harsh when it comes to like, you know, the genetics thing and, you know, kind of where Anthony interceded. But what about um, hormones? What about thyroids? What about stuff like that? How does that play a factor into um, losing weight? So it goes back to, to what I was talking about earlier, right? So people with a slow metabolism or, or thyroid issues, um, those are very real things. I'm not trying to, to take that away from anyone. Those are very real things. And they for sure, without a doubt, make weight loss harder 1000% right however it doesn't make it impossible and I'm trying to what I'm trying to do is is differentiate between the two right because I have so many people that come up to me and they're like no hey I can't start my fitness journey just yet I have a thyroid issue or my metabolism's too slow right now I got it it just I'm trying to differentiate between the two right yes it's going to be harder for you because I can eat more food than you can. You know, I can work out less than you can. But it's not impossible. You don't have to wait for you to have, you know, your metabolism kind of back up to par with everyone else or, or for you to, to, to fix the, the thyroid issue before you start um, your, your fitness journey. You don't have to wait. You can lose weight with those things. Um, as a deficiency because it is a deficiency it does make it harder for you harder for you than it would for me 1000 percent. but what i don't want people to think is that like it's impossible like hey i can't do anything because there's something wrong with my metabolism or my thyroid so i'm just gonna sit here and feel sorry for myself that that's the wrong answer also there it's harder and you gotta be at more of a calorie deficit and you gotta work out more than the normal person 1000 percent. it's gonna be harder for you but it's not impossible the answer is still going to be eat less and work out more, just like it is for Chad, 
just like it is for Anthony. Unfortunately, you just have to work out a little bit more and eat a little bit less than normal people. Um, but the answer and the mechanism of losing weight is exactly the same. I don't want people to give up on themselves before they even start because they're starting from a place that, that for weight loss anyway, would be a medical deficiency. And that's what I'm trying to get at there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so I can do keto and lose weight is another big one. Uh, I do keto when I'm trying to gain weight. So I have it here. So every gram of carbohydrate that you eat that is stored as glycogen equals two to three grams of water in your body, right? Um, so two things to say about that. So the first thing that happens, week one, week two, people hop on keto and they're like, this is so much weight. Yes, you have. But we got to ask yourself, what is that weight? One gram of carbohydrates equals two to three grams of water. So what are you doing? You're subtracting the carbohydrates from your body. So that means the water is coming with it. So when you step on that scale and you've lost six to eight pounds in that first week, in those first two weeks, guess what that mostly is, guys? It's going to be mostly water expelling from your cells, right? Um, you can be on keto and lose weight, but it all boils down to calories. How many calories am I eating? Now, everybody's different, but for me, it's easier to eat more calories when I have more fat in my diet because it's more calories per gram of fat and it would be gram of carbohydrate gram of protein so on and so forth right whatever works for you if keto works for you and you can maintain yourself in a calorie deficit then do keto um if freaking paleo works for you do paleo if whatever diet that you want to do just make sure that you're in a calorie deficit and do it if you want to fast fast it's not a big deal there's a lot of great benefits to fasting but one of the benefits isn't going to be weight loss unless you are in a calorie deficit. Period. End of story. You can't just say I'm going to cut all the carbohydrates out of my out of my diet because they're bad, and I'm not going to care about how many calories I'm eating, or I'm going to fast, and I'm not going to care about how many calories I'm eating, and I'm going to lose weight. It just doesn't work that way, guys. You have to make sure that you're in a calorie deficit. Um, along those lines, carbohydrates are bad. Carbohydrates are not bad. Caveat. Uh, if you have diabetes, pre-diabetic, you probably want to be a little bit easy on, on the sugar intake and, and carbohydrates. But for most of us, carbohydrates are just a source of energy, man. Just like proteins, just like fats, the more carbohydrates you eat, the more energy you're going to have for your workout, unless you're already body adapted to using fat as a first source of energy, which most people usually end up feeling about four to five days into keto. Um, carbohydrates aren't bad for you if you're in a calorie deficit, right? Where people get in trouble with carbohydrates is they're not counting their calories. They're eating six, 7,000 calories a day and about 4,000 of those calories are carbohydrates. Yeah, you're going to be in trouble. If you're eating 2,500 calories, 2,200 calories, and let's say 50% of those are carbohydrates, no big deal, guys. Nothing wrong with it. Um, don't be afraid of carbohydrates. They're not bad for you. Um, if you're in a calorie count and a calorie deficit, if you're counting your calories, there's not enough carbohydrates in your diet for you to have any negative outcome for that. Again, huge caveat, diabetes, pre-diabetic, obviously listen to your doctor. Um, last one that I have. Um, oh, real quick, James, I know I keep uh, interrupting no, you, but I have, no, I have questions. Um, 
So earlier you mentioned, I'm kind of going back to the, one of the first things that you talked about eating more, um, or I'm not eating enough different things like that. Right. In terms of like metabolism, stuff like that. So some people would say, um, that, you know, like maybe I came to you and I'm like, James, I want you to train me for this competition. Right. I want to step on this stage in like eight to 12 weeks or whatever the case may be. I want to get my body right, et cetera, et cetera. Is it fair to say that my metabolism could be destroyed? So you might need me to eat more to build this metabolism back up so that I can start doing things the right way. But now that, but that's yes, but that's a completely different thing. And I'm not eating enough. And so I got to eat more to lose weight. That is different. Well, well, I brought that up because I want you to explain it a little bit because there people could be like, well, you know, that's not good point. Good point. So, so those are two, two different things, right? So initially we're talking about, I need to eat more to lose weight. That is never correct. Never, ever, ever going to be correct. That's just not the way the law of thermodynamics works. Um, That is physical science. It's not going to change no matter how much you want it to change. What Chad is talking about here is somebody like me here in about eight weeks, nine weeks, where I'm down to 4% body fat. And literally, I'm like, I hate my life. I don't want to move right now. Like, I'm so depleted, and I'm eating so little and working out so much that now I have to do what is called reverse dieting and start to add carbohydrates, proteins, and fats, and just calories in general to my body so that my knee goes from, I hate my life, to, okay, now I'm back, I'm moving around, I'm, I'm burning more calories, so on and so forth, right? But what's going to happen when I increase those calories? Am I going to stand 4%, 5%, 6%, No, I'm going to go back up to 15 to 18%, which you guys will see here shortly, is what I am normally at, Right? So those are two different things. Don't conflate the two, right? Reverse dieting to speed up your metabolism is after you've already achieved the amount of body fat that you want to be at so that you can increase your metabolism, right? And then start your cut all over again without you being like this the entire time, right? So what we want to do is we want to take it in spurts of like six to eight weeks where we do a calorie deficit six to eight weeks. We increase our need for two weeks so that we don't feel like crap. And then we start to cut again. And it's like that up and down the entire time, right? But if you're trying to physically lose weight, if that is the goal, it, that's not the same as what Chad's talking about. Those are two completely different things. You reverse diet when you're done with your cut and you need to increase your need because you feel like crap. You don't increase your food when you're midway through a cut and you have a bowl that's coming up or, or something to do. Right. Um, so, so two different, two different sides of that hand there. They're not the same. So don't conflate them. I'm glad Chad asked that. Cause I can definitely see how that can get up. Uh, that can get conflated there. Um, so the last one that I have here uh, before we hit the obligatory Instagram versus reality for this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hit cardio is more effective than state of state cardio for burning fat. So two things there. The first one is, it depends on which one burns more calories. That's it. End of story, right? If you can do it for an hour and do steady state for an hour, it's probably going to burn more calories because 
you're getting higher into your heart rate zone. You're moving faster. Um, and there's just more effort overall being put into it. However, who can really, really, really do true hit for an hour? It's damn near impossible, guys. Um, although an Orange Theory Fitness is probably going to kill me right now, but although we call Orange Theory Fitness high-intensity training, sorry, guys, it's not high-intensity training, right? We do high-intensity training here maybe once or twice a week, and that's on power days. And even that isn't really high-intensity training. High-intensity training is... I'm going to hop on this bike. I'm going to pedal this bike harder than I've ever pedaled it before for 15 to 30 seconds, as hard as I can. So hard that I physically, physically need to stop for two to three minutes before I go again. That is real hit. That is high intensity level training where the intensity is like, think of the hardest thing you've ever done and then triple it. That is how hard you have to be working when you're doing high-intensity interval training, right? So think my all-out is typically at eight miles an hour on a treadmill for 30 seconds. To do real high-intensity interval training, I think I'm going to do 15 miles an hour for 10 seconds, right? Like you have to take it there to do high-intensity interval training. So typically- Does that depend do- on your fitness level? Sure. Dude, you're freaking hitting it on the nail, bro. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It makes me excited. 1,000%, man. I would never, ever recommend high-intensity training to anyone that isn't an athlete. Ever. Ever. Because you're going to hurt yourself, man. You, 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 I have so many injuries from hit. What we do here is actually better than hit. It's called steady state or moderate intensity state cardio. That is where calories are burned the most, right? Because you can do steady state or moderate intensity training for, for an hour without yourself, an hour and a half, so on and so forth. So now instead of going like super hard, so hard that you physically have to lay on your back for five minutes because you're so tired and then you unbelt the butt off of the, off of the floor and then you go again for 20 to 30 seconds and then you're back down on the ground. That's not the most effective way to burn calories. What we do here at Orange Theory Fitness, even though, uh, you know, it might be labeled as far as what I think anyway, incorrectly. It is still the best way to burn calories because you can extend the amount of time that you're working out without injuring yourself. And you can do it in a steady state where you're not having to take so many breaks in between and you're just moving and you're moving and you're moving. And again, the more you move, the more calories you're going to burn. Um, so even though, like I said, I feel I might be labeled incorrectly, don't get it twisted. Orange Theory Fitness is still by far the best workout that you can do for burning calories, which in turn means losing body fat. Um, so if your goal is to run faster, jump higher, or do all those athletic things, then do hit for sure. It's going to help you with that. But what it's not going to do is it's not going to put you in more of a calorie deficit than an hour at steady state or moderate state uh, will do like we do in here. Ready? I'm ready. I've been ready. <laughs> Another one? Uh, the last one that I have uh, for you guys, and then I'll turn it over to over to uh, Anthony Hayes, is the obligatory Instagram versus reality posts, right? All right, sir. Which one do you want first? Uh, so let's go Instagram. All right. So I'm just going to, for those of you, first off, um, that are listening to us on Spotify, you will not be able to see this. You will have to watch this part on YouTube. 
Um, but what I'm going to do real quick is just basically share my screen for our viewers on YouTube real quick. Um, and then just let them get a glimpse of what Instagram looks like for James. All right, folks. So this is a representation of fake James, not real James. This is James four weeks out of the year. That's it. Four weeks out of the year. That is the only time that I look that way. No other time at any other point of any year do I ever look like that other than four weeks out four weeks. That's it. All right. What Don't are we at there. body fat percentage wise here? Here about five, six percent. All right. Let's move on over to this one. This is real James. The rest of the year, all year, every single year. This is 15 to 18%. This is what I really look like, guys. The other picture is not. The other picture is a representation of James that I want to put out there so that I can help my own, you know, business and and help, you know, my own Instagram and and help my followers and and so on and so forth. Don't get too conflated or 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 don't misunderstand what Instagram really is. When you see that, that girl out there going like this, a little butt, you know, flexing and doing all that. Those pictures are taken once a year. So the way it works, just so you guys know, is that fitness model or that athlete will get down to between 5 to 10%. And in those four weeks that they look like that, they'll go do 50 shoots. And throughout the entire year, those dump little photos at you. And they'll pretend that they look that way year round because they're wearing a different outfit. You know, they have different poses. You know, it looks like a different background. And you just think that's the way they, they look throughout the year. That's untrue. The way it happens is, is they'll take a bunch of photos and do a bunch of different photo shoots. And then they'll just hit you throughout the year with those photos. And here you are thinking, man, that lady or that guy, man, I'm so disgusted with myself because I can't look like that all year round. Guys, this is not true. It's not the truth. It just isn't true. It'll never be true. Don't ever, ever, ever get down on yourself because you see someone else on Instagram that you think looks better than you. Because in the end, if you go walk up to them and it's real them in real life, that specific time of year, they're going to look more like 15 to 18% body fat gains. And they'll ever look like 5% body fat babies. I'll I'll end it there, man. Don't ever, 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 ever give up on yourself because you feel like someone looks better than you because nine times out of 10 in real life, you don't. Yeah. Well, I just want to say this too real quick before we segue over to Anthony. Um, We're really trying to gain a lot of viewers and followers on this channel. So maybe next week we can get an Instagram versus reality of Anthony up here. Um, Let's go. So we can really increase the followers, you know, on this channel. I don't, I don't know. I might be scared of some of the members as well on that one. <laughs> no, no, but no, but seriously though, kind of on James's point, I mean, just like fitness is a journey, right? You know, it's your journey. I mean, you don't, you're not supposed to compare yourself against anyone else. It's, it's your fitness journey. You know I mean? Yeah. You can have goals in mind, but it's what you are trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, don't go worry about like comparing yourselves because someone's journey is different than your journey. I know we already kind of talked about that, but the Instagram reality, you know, that instant gratification, we used to get like, you know, everything like, like this, it's, it's working out, it's work, it's called working out for a reason, right? So 
supplement that. So segue into that. Um, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, common misconceptions about cardio for weight loss and also weight training, like bulking up or being too bulky for weight training. So kind of I'll start off with the cardio section, just because we've kind of been talking about the weight loss portion of everything. So, I mean, we've already kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit, you know, so when it comes to losing weight, it's all about energy. Everything's energy, right? I.e. calories, right? You know, that's how much energy, you know, you burn or whatever energy you take in versus the energy you're burning, right? To lose weight is calorie deficit, right? If you want to gain weight, you want to bulk up calorie surplus. So energy in versus energy out, right? So, I mean, kind of break it down. Cardio in short is for cardiovascular, right? So it follows a cardiovascular exercise, help condition your cardiovascular system. But before I go off into like much of a tangent, what you really need to know is that about cardiovascular and cardio, you know, exercise in general, it will help condition your cardiovascular system and better prepare you for endurance related activities like running, biking, etc. So pretty much, you know, yeah, it's true. You want to be doing cardio, you know, when you work out, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever the case may be um, into your workout routine, but focus solely on cardio will not transform your body into quickly or as dramatically as you would think, you know, when you just do cardio by itself, not supplement any kind of weight training, right? You know, people perceive cardio as, you know, an ultimate solution because, you know, the heart rate is up, you know, they're sweating, but in reality, you need to incorporate both cardio and strength training into your workout schedule. You know, strength training builds muscles um, and maximize your cardio routine. You know, the more muscle you have, the more calories you're going to be burning, right? Especially when you're doing cardio. I was just going to say uh, more muscle equals more meat, right? The more muscle you have, the more you fidget, the more you move around, the more calories you're going to burn. Like, and it's the more, more you have more to move too, right? So exactly, you're, you're spending more energy. Exactly. You know, you get more calories too, right? With more muscle. What's that? And it more muscle allows allows you to take in more calories, right? Correct. Because yeah, exactly. Because you have more mass, you know, to to feed the body exactly. So, kind of perfect kind of segue into the weight training aspect side of things, right? So, um, especially you know, I hear this, we hear this all the time, right? Especially for you know some of the ladies, um, I don't want to lift too much. I don't want to you know lift too heavy. I'll get too bulky. I don't want to be too bulky. Right. And then just kind of to my previous point, the more muscle you have, the more fat calories can born. You know, the more lean calories, you know, the more leaner you're going to look. Right. So. Especially amongst women, um, that's a common misconception. You know, they don't want that bulky physique. Right. You know, it's true. You know, not lifting heavy or that lifting heavy will promote like, you know, muscles leading into size increasing for sure. Obviously, that's why you lift, you know, heavy weights to build muscle. However, the idea leads to a bulky look is untrue, right? So the, the true, you know, um, culprit, if you will, um, that leads to that bulk, you know, is excess body fat, right? Which, you know, causes both men and women to look bulky. You know, the most important aspect of someone's physique, you know, is his or her body fat percentage pretty much, right? So a good physique obviously requires, you know, fairly low body fat percentage to achieve. So lifting health heavy can help you lower your body fat, right? So not necessarily going to be bulky, but you will have that physique you're looking for. You know, and I know we kind of already kind of touched on this um, with kind of like hormonal imbalances or thyroid issues or anything like that. But um, so some common, you know, some benefits for, you know, lifting weights, not only lifting weights, but also lifting heavy weights 
you know, it will, you know, decrease your body fat during burning calories and promote favorable hormonal balance. So, yeah. So if you do have like, you know, thyroid or endocrine system like issues, you know, yes, it may be harder for you to like lose weight or, you know, to maintain even. So the more you build that muscle, the more it'll kind of help that hormonal balance. Right. So like what James was saying earlier, yes, genetics, you might have to work a little bit harder, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. Right. So, you know, other benefits, you know, obviously stronger muscles equals more, you know, stronger tendons, stronger ligaments, you know, helps more stable joints and overall movement, you know, so how many times do we hear like, you know, oh, um, my, my, my shoulder hurts, my knee hurts, right? Like what's, what's, why, why? you know, it's just, oh, you know, it's just old age. I mean, it could be, I mean, but are you, how are your muscles around your, your knees, your joints strong enough, right? So weight training will help stabilize all the joints, muscles, um, coupled with stretching too as well. Stretching is huge as well. But if I feel like, you know, we don't associate, you know, pain with like too much or we associate pain too much with old age or something outside of the realm. But when in reality, I think is if we do more strength training, it will strengthen the ligaments and joints around everything too as well. So many benefits for lifting weights and it like i said common misconception we hear all the time i don't want to get too bulky myth busted right here yeah let me uh further that point a little bit because that's super important right um and some of you guys probably hear me say this but if you're a female you do not have the genetics to be bulky most most females anyway right i don't want to lump everyone but you know let's say 90 percent of females no matter how heavy you lift or how hard you try to go on the weight floor you're not going to look like me. You're not going to look like Anthony. It's genetically impossible unless you're altering your genetics in some shape or form, obviously, right? But it does, we could be on the weight floor lifting the same amount of weight and the way that I'm going to look is going to be completely different than what you look because genetically, males and females are, are different. We, we build muscle in different ways and, and we, we, we also hold fat in different ways in different areas as well. Um, so that's super important to be able to make, make the difference between the two, right? So just because I'm lifting 55 pounds, I'm chest pressing 55 pounds. It doesn't mean that you're, if you're a young lady and you're, you know, pressing 55 pounds, you're going to look like it just doesn't work that way. Genetically, we're not the same. Don't be afraid to lift heavy. You're not going to look bulky. Just myth busted. Just like yeah, w- w- women naturally don't have as much testosterone as men, right? It's Period. science. Just be honest. Right? Yeah. You know, so I mean. It's yeah, like you said, if someone's lifting fifty five pounds as a female and you're lifting fifty five pounds, she's not gonna, you know, we're not gonna look the same. Yeah, yeah, we're just not gonna look the same. It's just such a, it's such a huge. It's a for me anyway, and I'm sure you guys on the floor. It's 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 a real real point of frustration with us um, when you know we go on the weight floor and and we see that you can do more and you just don't want to because you're afraid of looking a certain way when in reality genetics dictate that no matter how hard you try no matter what you do unless you're altering your genetics in some some shape way or form it's just not you're just not going to look that bulky look that way don't be afraid to lift heavy it's very very good for you just for those of you guys that are watching out there we're going to rename this podcast to real talk with otf james um at the end of this episode <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. You could you could tell like we're both Chad and I aren't as long winded. I'm excited about this stuff, man. You know, is it fair to say, is it fair to say that um this has nothing to do with, you know, myths or fads, but 
Um, is it fair to say, do you guys think that women will actually um, longevity wise in a gym will outlast men because they don't really have that ego to where they just have to throw around heavy weight and want to lift more and, you know, pushing to get that extra 50 pounds or whatever the case may be, because they do choose sustainable weights and work out kind of, would you say smarter? I think you kind of like you, you said it right. Ego, right. Yeah. It's like, you just, what happens when you overlift? Yeah. Yourself, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so, I mean, you could sometimes, sometimes you got to put your ego aside, you know, a little bit, but I mean, to that point, I mean, I would say probably, you know, yeah. the women have longevity more in the gym because I feel like, you know, as as men, you know, especially if you get a bunch of men together, all testosterone's going, you know, it's just yeah. I would strongly agree with your statement. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, do you have anything else for us, sir? Um, no, that's it. Just pick up heavy weights. Don't be afraid. All you right. Burn fat, you burn more calories too. I like it. I like it. So I just have two uh quick things for you guys and then we'll kind of call it a day on this podcast one of the first things i want to talk about is stretching um you know people used to say first off do you guys remember your like middle school pe teacher or you know or what they looked like or anything like that mrs hill i remember her for sure yeah yeah what can you tell me about her what'd she look like oh man uh, <laughs> uh she was the the like if you looked up pe teacher in in a dictionary um that would that would yeah. be for sure her. Yeah, one yeah. one thousand percent. Yeah. What about you, Anthony? Do you remember yours? What was the my PE teacher? Yeah, middle school PE teacher. Mm-hmm. It's always been dudes. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I had this guy. His name was Mr. Malone, and he wore blue bike shorts. You guys remember the bike shorts, right? And uh, he always wore a polo with his. Did he wear a hat? Um, no, no hat. No? Oh. Just just the polo bike shorts. <laughs> Long white tube socks and sneakers, right? With that the was Velcro, my PE with teacher, the Velcro, with a hat. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he used to walk around and he would eat a Snickers bar while he would have us do like sit-ups, you know, push-ups, different things like that. Um, and then whenever he would demo the moves for us, he would always pass gas. So it's just a funny story. I just want to bring up Mr. Malone. But Mr. Malone always used to make us stretch before we work out, right? And one of the big things that people talk about is stretching before they start their workout, right? Um, And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because I just think there's a little bit of a myth to that. Um, And again, I don't care what your, you know, your middle school gym teacher said to you. I don't actually think that you should perform static stretching before you exercise, especially if you're doing something that's involving your your lower body, right? Uh, Your muscles aren't warmed up yet and perform ecstatic stretching while you're still cool won't do any won't do anything in terms of like injury prevention right and the most of the reason why we stretch is for injury prevention um so basically um you know stretching has historically been prescribed for tight muscles as a way to get the body to relax um but again if you're going to start doing all that but lower body before the workout it's it actually could have a negative impact Um, because you don't really want to do any stretching to your cold body um, before then either. So, um, but in the same sense, though, that doesn't mean that you jumping right into your workout is the better option. I think instead um, you want to keep a pre-workout warm-up kind of like consistent what we do with Orange Theory, right? We have like some warm-up exercises, um, some like light cardio, um, you know, probably some kind of cardiovascular component, get the blood flowing anywhere between five to 15 minutes, um, that just results 
re- will result in like a light sweat. I don't, I mean, what do you guys think I, about stretching lower body, different things like that before you start working? No, out? it's gotta be After. kinetic, man. There, there has to be, there, there's gotta be uh, movement involved and, and not static. Right. So when we think of stretching, we think of static, like, Hey, I'm going to hold this stretch right here for, you know, 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Um, no, that needs to be done at the end of the workout, 1000%, not at the beginning. I, the way, honestly, the way Orange Theory Fitness works, what warms people up is, is probably the most perfect thing that you can do. You're getting blood in the muscles, you're getting the heart moving, you're getting that nice warm body, the nice warm feeling in your body. That is how you warm up. If you stretch, it almost does the opposite. It, it negates the amount of weight that you can lift because the muscles are stretched out as opposed to you having nice little tight muscle cells and fibers, um, you know, everything's stretched and it actually before your warm up almost leads to more of a propensity for injury than less. Um, the stretching should be left for the end, not the beginning. For our OTF people listening to this podcast, James, what's one reason why they should stay after class to stretch um, after their workout? So first and foremost, um, so there's the thing called a stretch reflex, right? So what we're trying to do is, is work after getting the, the reflex portion in is, is we're trying to stretch so that we can a, input more nutrients into those nice stretched out muscle cells. But B, and more importantly, it is to slowly and gently bring your heart rate down. That's yes. what we're trying to do. We're trying yeah. to slowly and gently just bring your heart rate down, right? Um, that way, you know, when you just when you just hop off that treadmill, you run out, you run to your car, your heart rate's through the roof. Not only are you going to run over little grandma crossing the street over at Walmart because you're like this still, but you're, you're doing harm to your heart as well because you're not giving it the time to slowly bring it down. So that's why we say when we're on treadmills, and people just stop, they're in the red, they hop off, and then just start cleaning up. It's like you dump adrenaline, you dump glycogen, and both of those things can lead to injury in your heart and injury in, in your body. Um, so, yeah, it's super important to slowly bring that heart rate down. That way you can avoid those. Yeah, so, like, a good analogy, too, is, like, you know, like, you're you're going to car 60 miles per hour, right? And then, boom, drop down to zero, Right something's gonna get hurt something's gonna be damaged right yeah. you, you gotta gradually bring it down same thing you know with stretching too right bringing the heart rate down you know bringing everything down you don't want to go from 100 down to zero like that something's gonna give right something's gonna give and most sure. of the time it's gonna be either your heart or one of the accessory muscles that you've been overusing in that class absolutely um the number two reason um and sometimes i like to refer to it as the number one reason is because you'd miss all those important announcements um, if you don't stick around to stretch after <laughs> class. So if you um, go to our studio or if you go to OTF in general, always make sure you try to stick around and stretch if you absolutely don't have anywhere to be. A, so you can hear those announcements, and then B, so you can actually cool down your body. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about, guys, before we end the podcast is something a little bit of something called spot reduction, right? That might um, be the most important thing out of all yeah. of us, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? So a lot of times, you know, and I used to be guilty of this growing up, right? I would always go to the gym and I would do my sets and my reps, whatever muscle groups I was working out on. And I would always skip abs and I would be like, oh, I'll just do them at home. 
But, and then I used to tell people, well, you know, I'd have abs if I did ab exercises. Well, doing abs, ab exercises consistently will not give you visible abs. It's just not true. Um, There are two types of abdominal fats. There's subcutaneous fat, and that's the type that you can pinch, right? It's under your skin, between your skin and your muscles. And then you have a visceral fat, and it's in your abdominal cavity around your internal organs, right? So exercising your abdominal muscles will strengthen the muscles. However, twisting, crunching, all the other abdominal exercises you are doing will not make your abdominals visible if they are covered by a thick layer of fat. Um, To get defined abs, you need to get rid of subcutaneous fat from your abdominal area, right? Ab exercises do not burn belly fat. Most people do ab exercises to lose belly fat, right? That's why we do them. However, studies show that targeted exercises, aka spot reduction exercises, are not very effective. So what is spot reduction, right? It refers to the misconception that you can lose fat in one spot by exercising that part of your body. It's true that spot training exercises will make you feel the burn while the muscles grow and strengthen. That is true. However, studies show that it will not help you get rid of belly fat, right? The best exercises for fat loss is going to be cardio, right? Um, And one reason why targeted fat loss doesn't work is because muscle cells cannot use fat contained in fat cells directly. Fat mass needs to be broken down before it can enter the bloodstream. The fat can come from anywhere in the body and not just from the body part being exercised, right? Additionally, doing sit-ups, crunches, isn't particularly effective for burning calories in those fat problem areas of your body. So for total body fat loss, you want to use a combination of aerobic exercises and resistance training, such as lifting weights, both of which we do at Orange Theory Fitness. Um, In addition, obviously, guys, you want to eat healthy, right? Plenty of protein, fibers, portion control, stay under your calorie uh, counts, different things like that. But the methods will help you burn calories, speed up your metabolism, and make you lose fat. This is ultimately what's going to cause you to lose the, the belly fat loss and give you a flatter stomach, not sitting there doing, you know, crunches over and over, over and over and over again until you lose that belly fat in that problem area. And let's be realistic. Most people, right? Would, would you guys agree? Most people carry a lot of their fat in that midsection, mid-section right? Yep. Yeah, definitely most males for sure. Um, most males, females are a little bit different. They might carry a little bit more fat in their in their hips and butts um, than, than males, but most males for sure will, will be that that uh, that I know it is for me. Same. What do you want to say about spot reduction? Anything, James? Um, so the way way you lose body fat and gain body fat are directly opposite of each other, right? So for me you know, when I start to gain fat, it's, it's going to be in my belly. That's, that's my, that's my problem area. Right. So that's the first place any excess fat gets stored. When I burn fat, that'll be the last place that I lose from. Right. So the way that you gain and lose fat is directly opposite of each other. So why that's important is, is because we have so many people quit midway through their journey because they're not seeing the fat loss in the problem area when in reality they haven't been in a calorie deficit or have tried to work out long enough for that body fat percentage to start being lost within the problem area itself so don't quit on yourself four weeks in 
six weeks in because you have a trouble area that's your belly or your butt or your hips because that's going to be literally the last place it comes off of. It will come off, I promise. I've been through the the, the bodybuilding yo-yo, you know, once a year for, for God, who knows how long, right? And I know it happens every time. The last four weeks is when I have abs. That's it. Any other time, I, I don't. I don't. And it's because of the direct opposite happens when you gain as opposed to lose. And what do they, what do they usually have you do to cut that weight to get that midsection to show? Is it like white fish and cardio and water? Or I mean, what, <laughs> what are, what are you doing? You know, uh, calorie deficit and, uh, and, and cardio. And you know, those last four weeks are really, really heavy on, on, on fat burners and, and supplements like that. That'll increase my need. But notice what you didn't say to get those abs to show. You didn't say anything about sitting there and doing crunches or Russian twists. I or... do. I do abs zero times a week. Yeah. <laughs> zero times a week. I get my abs from deadlifting, squatting and bench pressing. Yep. Cause that's where I get my abs. Core. People don't Maybe understand. You engage too. Your core you're tell them, Chad, tell them, Chad, tell them that core on a treadmill running you're yeah using just, yeah exactly you know what i mean you, like, your core is engaged in anything you do i mean yeah i mean crunches yeah to build the muscle whatnot but everything but i've heard like the term like abs are made in the kitchen right like by the way 25 percent is like the exercise your your fitness routine so like it was 75 percent diet right calorie deficit yeah but you're gonna get more out of deadlifting super heavy for your abs than you will ever get out of doing crunches. Anything with heavy load, Period. you have to engage. Yep. Period. Yeah, you'll get more out of you'll get more out of going in that weight floor in there and grabbing a pair of fifties and squatting them. You'll get more in your core than you'll ever get doing sit ups or crunches. Okay. Yeah, because you hit it on the the nail on the head, right? Because you're engaging it more. There's a lot of times you'll see people sitting there, even at Orange Theater, right on the weight floor. They'll be doing crunches, but they won't really be engaging their core. You know what I mean? Like they're not. You know, you always want people mm-hmm. to, you know, you're, you you want to pinch your shoulders together, right? When you're doing a row, you want to, whatever area you're working, you really want to feel that area. And a lot of times people aren't engaging that core when they're doing sit-ups or different things like that. And you actually, like you said, will engage it more doing heavy deadlifting, stuff like that. Well, so, you have no choice. There's yeah. no choice. You're either going to engage your core or you're going to fall backwards or forwards. Or get injured. Or get hurt. Exactly. Yep. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Um, anything else before we sign off? I think I hit everything, boss. Good. Nice. Pick up some weights, you know, awesome. get huge. I like it. I like it. Um, so I really hope you guys enjoyed episode three of our podcast, Common Lies and Fads in the Fitness Industry. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Check our Instagram channels. We will be starting an Instagram, right, where we'll be posting all this information. We'll also share some topics, different things like that for you guys. Um, We just want to come up with another way to give you guys some content. So make sure you stand by for that. As always, we appreciate you guys joining us on Real Talk with OTF Happy Valley Men. Until next time, we'll see you guys soon.